Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How concerned should the Bucks fans be about Bruce Arians' health and that he's not calling plays? And did the Rays do enough to keep themselves right in the middle of the playoff race? And what was behind the Lightning's decision to lock up Andre Vasilevsky? Is that goaltender position that valuable in the NHL? We've got all that and some LeBron James talk as well with Tom Jones, my former radio partner, now of the Pointer Institute. On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, we've got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are having great success and you will too. Now, here's what you do. For information, contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Hey, we'd love to have you be part of our team. All right, Tom Jones joins us now, my former radio partner, columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, and now the author of the Pointer Report, the newsletter you can read on pointer.org. Good morning, Tom. And uh, as we do this, it is morning, so I just wanted to let everybody know. Um, let me let me jump into the Bucks a little bit. I you know I had this podcast had a chance to talk to Andrea Kramer. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, HBO story she did. I did, I did, yeah. On Bruce Arians, yeah. So you know we all knew that. Uh, I mean, Bruce is sixty six years old, and he walked away from the game. Um, you know, a year and a half or so ago, and uh, told him told everybody it, it was his last game, and it certainly felt that way. Um, but one thing I didn't know in this that came out in the story is that he has not finished a year as a head coach in the National Football League without at least one trip to the hospital. So, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly serious thing. Um, and, and, and then, you know, I, I've also talked to Bruce uh, after, after Andrea commented that, you know, the Glazers, and this is probably not a big surprise, really wanted him to call plays. And, you know, he has a lot of confidence in Byron Leftwich, who has never done it in a full season. Uh, is you know 39 year old former quarterback he's going to do it for Bruce but this is this seems as much about his health as anything else um, and in as much as he has confidence in left which how concerned should Bucks fans be about the health of Bruce Arians you know what I watched that the other night I, I actually I actually had taped it and so I watched the I think I watched the first night of the Democratic debates, presidential debates, which, boy, that's a whole other reality show there. But afterwards, so I'm watching this thing. It's about two in the morning, and I was half dozing off, and then the, the Arians thing came on, and I was like, wow, I didn't realize he was that sick at times, you know, during his during yeah. his coaching career. Like, you sort of half pay attention to what's going on around the league, you know, with other coaches, but obviously yeah. here in Tampa Bay, we, we were locked into what's things that were mm-hmm. going on with Dirk Cutter and Lovey Smith and all that before that. You know, so... Um, our own house was yeah, on we fire. Had, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we could worry about the, the burning down the street. Right. Exactly. So I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching Bruce Arians, and again, I didn't realize it was it was that bad at times. And I was uh, the other thing that, and you already knew this, and you've written about it. But the Bucks made him take a, a physical, like physical. A really, mm-hmm. yeah, up to down. You know, check check everything. Yeah. And he said he didn't exactly say he passed with flying colors. He's like, I got a C on it. He like, was happy for the C. It was like me in math class and in algebra back in high school. I was 
I got to see. All right. That, you know? Exactly. That's why I was, ooh, I just passed. You know? <laughs> but it's, uh, I would be a little concerned. I mean, it, it feel, it's a young man's game. But here's the other thing, I too, I think about, Rick, is that, and, and I'll throw out a name that from, from when we were much younger, Dick Vermeil was a guy that yeah. at one point in his career, um, they was gonna he was gonna die if he just he just put so much in every game and he quit when he was pretty young like in his forties and stepped away from the game for a long time and then came back and won a championship with the Rams years later and it seemed like he figured out now did that year away help him figure out sort of how to manage himself um, but that, the other part as you mentioned Rick that uh, that the Glazers if you're the Glazers and 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 you you bring in Bruce Arians because this is gonna solve all your problems and you find out wait a minute you're not calling the plays. Like that's yeah. why we hired you, you know? Right. So right. Uh, it's it's great that he's that he's promoting young coaches. You know, a guy like Byron Leftwich giving him a chance. But I mean, I thought the whole point of Bruce Arians was that he calls plays. Well, then that's you know when he had success anywhere he's been, he's always that's always come with him being a head coach. Whether it was the year you know in, in Indianapolis when Chuck Pagano got sick, or the or the years in in Arizona where he turned him around right away. I mean, they went. You know, ten and six, and, and and had three straight winning seasons, and and came very close to going to a championship game. But you know, plays um, for the Steelers when they won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I mean, you know, I gotta believe he knows that by giving this up. And again, not only does he have confidence. Now he told me, he said, "Look, I'm going to be on the headset. You know, I'm not throwing that away. Like I, I'll suggest things. He he thinks there's like five you know, five decisions, uh, calls, you know, a, a game where you have to say, you know, let's run it here, let's take a shot there, you know, that sort of thing. But what I'm wondering about is, you know, this all sounds good in theory, right? And in pra- But in practice, um, when you get to Sunday and, you know, there's only 16 of these and you have to win all of them and especially at home and the open, whatever, how, you know, how will those old habits not kick back in? In other words, how will his blood pressure not go up? You know, right. now what he told me is if he's not calling plays, you know, he would, he said, he said, I went from yelling at the referee to looking at my play sheet to yelling at the referee to looking at my play sheet. And so, you know, it was kind of like that, that his, his blood pressure never had a chance to drop. <laughs> um, so from that standpoint, he thinks he'll be better at game management, you know, and, and won't have the responsibility of, you know, trying to be two, three, four plays ahead of time. Cause I don't know if people realize how hard it is. You know, everything is sort of scripted. I mean, you go through the game plan during the week and you decide, you know, what's our best play on third and six against this defense, et cetera. So you have these these charts and these play sheets and everything. But there's still, you know, there's still decisions that have to be made and you have to anticipate, okay, you know, if we don't if we don't get the first down here on second down and it's third and long and you're looking two or three plays ahead. Um, so, you know, that part of it he won't have to do. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, if you look at – you mentioned Dick Vermeil. There just hasn't been a lot of coaches uh, over the age of 65 who have had a whole lot of success. Or, and the ones that have coached that old, Tom, they, they're like in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're talking about guys that own the franchises like, you know, Papa Bear Hallis and, right. you know, Brown. Paul and, Brown, and yeah. Paul Brown and, and you know, um, who was the, uh, the Buffalo Bills coach that yeah, went Marv to four? Su- yeah, Marv Levy went to four Super Bowls. So, I mean, you're talking about Hall of Famers for the most part. I don't know that Bruce Arians is that. Um, but it's, it's a young, you know, it's, it, it's funny because, and I don't know that this is good or bad, but the league is trending the other way. They're hiring guys that are like 34 years old. Oh, yeah, you see guys coaches. like Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and, yeah. and Sean McVay's obviously young. Exactly. I guess to the older guys, Bel- you know, obviously Belichick's an older guy. Andy he's Reed. one of the, one, he's one of the ones Reed's, over 60. Andy, Andy Reid's probably over yeah. 60 now, right? 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, but those it's are far... two possible Hall of Famers we're talking about. Exactly. You know, in, the in... thing that, but the thing about Arians, and again, he knows his health, he knows his life, he knows what's going to, and, and he knows football way more than I do. But you have to ask the question, okay, is 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 he going to be as good a coach as if he's not engaged? Right. You know, if right. he's not yelling at the referees and calling plays, is, is he less effective if he's just letting Byron Lethwich call the plays and all he's doing is, is yelling at referees? So, um <laughs> Uh, again, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it all plays out. I was a bit surprised, though. I was a bit surprised when I watched that clip on HBO about just how serious his health issues were. And it and it wasn't like he took a year, uh, five years away. He took a year. That That's yeah. it. Uh, and like you said, old old habits die hard. Uh, I think I, if he but did, he's a, he's, a, he's obviously a brilliant offensive mind. And oh yeah, no, yeah, and he's a good coach. I mean, the thing the 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 you know the once comment he made, and, and Andrea asked him, you know, you're kind of. You seem kind of cavalier about your health, you know, like why as well, you know, if, if I, you know, if I die coaching on a Sunday, just have a drink and celebrate, you know, like that's sort of, you know, that's his flipping attitude. Um, about <laughs> Great things. for you. What do we do about, what do we do about the Falcons, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but, but he does, you know, he, he does have, I, I don't know that he does this. In fact, I don't think he does. But he does have the coaches that – some of these guys, Tom, like Clyde Christensen, were with him at Temple. He's got three coaches that were players for him at Temple. Um, almost all these guys have been on his staff before. You know, So if he didn't already have and, – and there are people that have the theory that, well, if it doesn't go well the first two years, his real intent is to you know do well enough that either Todd Bowles or, or Byron Lefferts or somebody then takes over from him. And I've never known a situation where you go into it thinking there's a succession plan. I mean, first right. of all, if Todd Bowles is that good, he won't be here next year. You know what I mean? Like, if he turns sure. around this defense and they win, if I'm an NFL team looking for a head coach, I think I might go back to Todd Bowles. I know he didn't succeed with the Jets, but, you know, if he pulls this rabbit out of his hat, then, you know, he may not even be here. So, but it's just weird. I think it's a unique – it really is different over there. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of energy. There always is. You've, you've done this a long time, and I think you picked the Bucks to go 5-10-1 and one every single year, and you were right on just about every single year. It's about five you know, they win, year, yeah. Yeah, they win between five and seven games. But, I, I mean, I can't remember many seasons where nationally at least, universally, no one thinks this is a very good football team. No, they don't, and I think the problem is uh, mostly on the defensive side of the football, and no one's convinced that Jameis is the guy. And yeah. let's face it, Rick, and you've written about this a million times, that's why you know, when you're asking, when you look through everything, why it's a young man's game, and you mm -hmm. want a guy that's young and healthy, and you don't want a guy that's had a history of health issues, why you're bringing in Bruce Arians? You're bringing in Bruce Arians to save Jameis Winston. That's yes. the whole point of this thing. And, yep. um, and, and maybe – and maybe this is the best for Jameis. When you talk about not calling plays, like, well, well what's he, what's he going to do? What's uh, Bruce Arians going to do? He's going to work with Jameis Winston. You know, yes. he's going to be the quarterback whisper, whispering his yes. ear while while Byron Leftwich is while the defense is on the field and Byron Leftwich is trying to figure out, okay, what do we do when we get the ball back? Bruce Arians, you would think, is going to be in Jameis's ear, saying, okay, here's what's going on, and and that's why he's here. So, um, yeah, that's and, huge, and, right? And until until Jameis goes out there and proves it, I think that. That's the reason. That's why the reason nobody's convinced out there that the Bucks are going to be any good because no one's convinced that Jameis is going to be any good. It's, they think it's his last best chance. I, I think he's going to be here for a couple of years because I think he'll play well enough. But there's a there was a mic'd up thing that the uh, the Buccaneers put on 
their website on Buccaneers.com of just Arians in practice. And you're yeah, right. Yeah, I saw you tweeted that out yesterday, right? I, yeah, I it was in, that, it was yeah. really interesting because like there's this one play um, they're in the indoor facility and Jameis uh, – uh, throws it, throws a hitch, throws it late, and you can't, you know, everybody, everybody should know, and he should know by this point that you can't throw a throw a hitch late, and then you know, and Aaron's just telling him, remind him, like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, you can't. I just remember Cutter and and other coaches literally just flabbergasted at some of the decisions he makes, and you know, when talking to Byron Leftwich, that's what they're really here for. They know Winston has talent, you know, and and you you start there. I mean, all these guys are talented, but Jameis has done things already in the league. That shows he has talent. Can they change his decision making? That's the whole. That's that whole position, really. I mean, you got the football in your hands. Look, I think the other thing that's going to make them better this year, Rick, is and and I hate to keep people are going to say, "Oh, there's Jones going negative again," but I, I don't think we can um, talk too much about what happened last year with that suspension. It really just You're threw right. everything out of whack. He's You're right, and I know they won games while he was away, but if you look at that for all first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he was in training camp, and then he and then all of a sudden he wasn't there, and he misses mm-hmm. the first few weeks of the season. And Fitzpatrick plays well, and then Jameis is there, and Fitzpatrick doesn't play well, and you put Jameis in, and he doesn't play well, and you put Fitzpatrick back in, and then yep. he doesn't play well. And by the time you got halfway through the season, it was completely out of whack, and it's directly the fault of Jameis Winston that, that he got suspended and messed everything up. It and and. This year, you would think, okay, now he's going to be there the whole time, you know, right? If, as long as he doesn't get hurt, and that's got to improve his play. You would think. Oh, not, I know not, his not mental just state going away for three weeks. Yeah. yeah, his mental state is totally like that. You're right; that was an uneven thing. You know, he told me, um, and you don't think about this. You know, while they were winning, um, there was a good feeling. Obviously, you and I were in New Orleans. We had all those games, and and they, you know, they win the first two. Um, everybody, you know, the team is kind of, you know jacked up I mean Deshaun Jackson's you know giving his jewelry to Fitzpatrick and all that um but Jameis was sitting on a couch someplace and didn't get to feel or experience any of that momentum right because you know games have momentum seasons have momentum he wasn't a part of it you know what I mean like his guys were winning without him right so he didn't get that to share in that even though he wasn't playing then when he came back you know they got waxed at Chicago he came in played a little bit in the second half there was I think a bye week after that, and then he started, and then he eventually was benched. So it was a very uneven year. But more than that, um, Dirk Cutter had to at some point try to save his job and went back to Fitzpatrick. There's no Calvary coming now. There's nobody to turn to. I mean, they they have they have cleared it for Jameis, you know, right. to be to be the guy. I mean, Blaine Gabbert, if he has to play, the season's you know probably over. I mean, he's he's won four of his last eight starts, but one of those he lasted one one pass and got hurt, so he still got credit for the win. So, I mean, I've seen this guy. I mean, the, everybody's behind him more than they've ever been, maybe since Lovey Smith. I mean, this is the most pro-Jameis head coaching staff and coaching staff that there has been out there since he's been there. And maybe that will help him. I don't know. It's got to help him. and I Because you can't tell me, Rick, and as, as good a guy as Fitzpatrick is, and if, he, and if Jameis is a good teammate, I get all that. Yeah. You can't tell me while James was watching those games and Martin Fitzpatrick was thrown for 400 yards that there wasn't a little piece inside James going, damn it. Of course. I can't believe this is happening. And you can't well. tell me that when Ryan Fitzpatrick lost his job to James and they all sit there and they wear their ball caps and they pat the guy on the back when he comes in there, every guy wants to play. Every guy wants to play. Of course they do. And, and there's got to be a part of you. It's like you kind of hope the other guy screws up a little bit so I can get a back A little? Look, I, I'll tell you right now, Tom, um, if somebody – if I get hurt and somebody's going to cover my beat, I don't want him 
you know, I don't want him to be, you know, breaking the next, some big story. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that would be nice, but I mean, I, I don't want him, I don't want him to turn into Rick Riley. Like, I don't want him to right. be, you know, the greatest columnist or or, or pro football writer. I mean, maybe that sounds selfish on my part, but imagine that ratcheted well, we it up. We all have pride, man. But, but 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 even imagine what's at stake, right? These guys' careers are short. Okay, they got a small window to make the money. Okay. Jeer Gruden, I don't know if you saw, did you see any of the cutouts from the uh, Hard Knocks, yeah, which, yeah, by yeah. the way, is going to be an absolute. So, you know, <laughs> Gruden is talking to his team. I don't believe in dreams, man. Everybody's got a dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, dream, you know what? you're a pro but football just, player. Just real quick, he he likes, he totally, like, had those guys going. Everybody's like, yeah, I got a dream. Like, Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and then he, then dream, he smashed right? them. Yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes, well, I'm not in, I'm in the nightmares, Okay. <laughs> You got to be somebody's biggest nightmare, man. I'm here you to end take, dreams. He goes this, but what he said was, is that you know, on this team, you know, on the Raiders team, on it, on the Bucks team, he goes, you got to take somebody's job. You got to rip their heart out, man. You get this NFL. You get what this is about now. He laid it on the line. I mean, exactly it was like, right. hey, man, you know that guy in front of you, you know, or the guy behind you, he's going to take the money off your kids, toast off the tables. I used to say, yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> a friend, good friend of ours used to yeah. say. So, I mean, that's that's really what it's about, right? So, of course, Jameis and, felt that way. You know, the other thing that happened last year too, Rick, is that as we sort of had this revolving door to quarterback position, I'm sure there were guys taking sides. And, and what they don't had to be. They don't mean that. It's not like they don't like one guy or the other. But you asked Deshaun Jackson week six last year, who would you rather be the quarterback? Yeah, he didn't. He, was, he he didn't stutter. Right. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> That's and you feed one asked of the reasons other, he's in Philadelphia right yeah. now. I you think. asked the other 10 guys on offense, and five would have said Jameis, and the other five would have said Fitzpatrick. And, That's and right. It's not that like that caused problems and guys were fighting in the locker room or they weren't no. trying hard or anything, but it's just it's never a good situation when you have two guys. And two the guys only reason you had two guys last year is because Jameis got suspended. That's right. And that's, that's right. gone. That's gone this year. So my point being – you know, maybe he has a chance, a chance to to really turn things around because that's not hanging over anybody's head. Yeah, it's his last best chance for sure. Okay, let's talk about the Rays uh, as we uh, do this podcast. They're finishing up their series against the Boston Red Sox, having won the first two. Tom, I was shocked, and I mean shocked, that uh, they ended these games with guys on the mound that got big outs and and the tying run at times um at the plate and so you know like this bullpen has been a an absolute uh sort of you know mosh pit i mean you just don't know and and you know there's a part of me that feels sorry for kevin cash like the other night he goes out <laughs> did you see did you see the reaction charlie morton gave him when he went out there uh with about yeah. oh is it two outs in the sixth inning or two outs in the like, fifth inning he was trying to get the win inning. yeah he had only thrown yeah that's right he, he needed one more out to get the win so. runner on first base i believe there were two outs um, and uh, and, he, and he takes the ball from Charlie Morton. I thought Morton was going to do like that Cleveland pitcher, turn around and chuck <laughs> that thing in the in the in the center field seats. I mean, that was that was kind of a death stare that he get. Like, what are you doing here? I'm twelve and three. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, we're turning it and, over and to those guys. No, yeah, yeah. That's exact. That's the part. It wasn't like I'm twelve <laughs> and three. It's like you're bringing in who? Like, <laughs> yeah. I've seen his act. Um, but but you know, to their credit, um, they've closed out these last two games, and now. Um, they made they made a deal for some for some guys that could help them. Uh, a couple of pitchers from the Miami um, Marlins, of course, Trevor Richard, who will probably you know be a bulk innings uh, you know guy fit fit somewhere in there in the bullpen. But this Nick Anderson guy, I don't know if you've seen him on film. 
He's got some nasty stuff, man. He's a consistently mid-90s to upper-90s fastball slider guy. So you put him in the back of the uh, of the bullpen. And then then they signed uh, or, or traded for Jesus Aguilar, the uh, DH slash first baseman, I guess, from uh, Milwaukee, who had a good year in terms of home runs a year ago, not so good this year. And then, of course, they, a couple days ago, they would gotten Eric Sogard from Toronto, who's just another one of those kind of like Joey, this year's version of Joey Wendell. Uh, only actually hitting for a change, um, and so I don't know. Is that is that enough? I mean, they're right there. They're right there in the in the you know for the second wild card. Or is this? Is, did they do enough? The did they are they going to be able to sustain sort of a playoff playoff fever around here? I think the offense is good enough, Rick, to get them there. Uh, I'm not. I'm still not convinced about the pitching though, and and that's what always happens is you bring in these guys, a guy like Nick Anderson. Yeah, lots of potential. Can he do it when the game matters? We go through this all season long, and. There have been like five different pitchers this year where you look at them and say, oh, okay, maybe this guy could be the closer. Or, you know, yeah. maybe that guy, Alvarado. Yeah, there was a moment there where Alvarado's like, oh, okay, first the, month of the year. Yeah, yeah he, he's the guy. And now you can't trust him at all in these big games. So um, I just I just still question the bullpen. And, and unless this Nick Anderson comes comes out and really just, just lights out, I just don't know that they have enough. You're, I'm guessing, look, you're not going to catch the Yankees. So that that's over. And essentially – I think the either the the Indians or the Twins, whichever team doesn't win that division, is going to get right. one of the wild cards. They're going to get one of them, and so you're looking at what the A's. So you're um, looking at the A's and the Red Sox, basically. Right, the two right. teams you're, and those were two big wins in Boston the first two nights yeah, of this series, uh, and and uh, and I'm still waiting for that moment where Boston's going to wake up and realize that they're mm-hmm. the Red Sox and they're going to win. 30 out of 35 or something to close it out. But until that happens, yeah, you're in it. I'm surprised just to win it, Rick. I'll be honest. You asked me, I was on a podcast a couple of months ago when they were playing really well. And I said, I don't think they're this good. I don't think they're this good. I think they're going to, yeah. they're going to fade. And it looked, I was, I was going to be really smart there for a while because they really did start that fade, but they sort of have gathered themselves again there. I think they did okay. I know some people might be disappointed with what happened on the trade deadline. That they really didn't go. They they, they could have maybe gone for it more, and they didn't. I don't blame them. But what do you give up for for the potential of a one game playoff? Yeah, I mean, that's right. really what you're talking about, and right? Even if you do win that one game playoff, now you're talking about a, f- a five game series with uh, with the Astros, the Yankees in New York, or the Astros. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so and, and you're going to try to outpitch you know Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke now and Garrett Cole. I just right. I, I get it. Once you get into playoffs, anything can happen. But I think they're going about it the right way. They seem this trade deadline. They seem to do a little bit of both. They didn't. They didn't give up everybody. They improved themselves. They think a little bit. Uh, as Steve Versnick was telling us before uh, the, we started this podcast, they've really cleared some space out so they can bring up guys for the on the forty man roster here in the next couple of years. And uh, and and I, I think they did a good job of walking the line here. But boy, it's I just I just don't think that bullpen's good enough to get them there this year. Ryan Stanek uh, is traded, and he, you know, was a guy that uh, pitched well as an opener, but the rest of the time his area was 7.82. Weird dude that they can throw so well at the start of a game but really not not help you in the end of one. And then they they also traded their uh, one of their prospects is Jesus Sanchez, which I've, I've read, you know, he's he's top 30-type prospect, but who knows, uh, you know, that's, that's really the only young guy that they gave up. So, you know, the core of their – and they didn't give guys. up their, you know, they didn't give up the guys that they really, I'm yeah. sure people were calling about. Nobody you know, was dealing Wander Franco. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure people call about Brendan McKay. You know, he's a guy yeah, that's absolutely. really intriguing, and so I, I'm, I'm sure those guys were on it. They may have gotten some decent offers that could have really improved themselves right now, right here. But unless sure. you're going to catch the Yankees, 
And unless you're right. going to put yourself in a position to come October, you're a, you're really a favorite to win. Win the division, yeah. You can't give up those guys, yeah. Agreed. Your Tampa Bay Lightning uh, went out and they did something that uh, probably wasn't that unexpected, although I don't know how on the radar it was. Everybody was talking about the deal they have to do with Braden Point at some point. Yeah. But, but Andre Vasilevsky gets an eight-year contract for really big money. But, I mean, you covered hockey forever and it certainly was, you know, followed the Lightning around through their Stanley Cup days and, and also, uh, you know, the one that they lost to the Blackhawks and, uh, a few years ago. But, I mean, is it generally known – And I, I mean – do they think Vasilevsky is a is a still a like a Marty Brodeur type talent? I mean, is he a generational goaltender to where you would lock him up for this many years this early? They I they think that. I'm not sure that I'm totally convinced until I see it in the playoffs that I would totally trust yeah. him. And it's not like yeah. the playoff it's not like when they've lost in the playoffs, it's been his fault. Right. Uh, but he's, he's didn't never steal stolen any games, a series though. that they should have yeah. won, maybe, you know, yeah. or that they could have won. You know, it's, yeah. And I hate to use the phrase "just good enough to get you beat" because I don't think it, that really diminishes what what I think of him. Uh, yeah. I think he's better than that. But you know, there there were a lot of series there, Rick, uh, where you look at his numbers in the playoffs, and it's I felt like okay, you got to score four because he's given up three, and mm. he's not going to give up seven, but he's mm-hmm. not going to give up one either for the most. He's part. not shutting anybody out today. One nothing. Yeah, right? he's not going to. Yeah, although there were, I'll take that back a little bit. There was. There were a couple games in that Washington series when they lost in the Eastern Conference Final. They had absolutely no business winning. And Andre That's Vasilevsky true. That's those true. Games. But yeah. overall, I don't think we could sit here say and say that he is that you that you're a hundred percent convinced that he can win a cup until he wins a cup. He hasn't won a cup. But you also have to look like what else is out there. I, I still think he's a. You know, clearly, the league thinks he's a, the best going to league. He won the Vezina Trophy last year. I, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I actually... Didn't think he should have won. I thought Ben Bishop should have won the, the Vesna last year. But nevertheless, he was a finalist, the Vasilevsky, and and ended up winning. And I don't think that was, you know, a fluke. He's a really good goalie, but um, I don't know, man. What's I, what's more important to it? Yeah, I've always, you know, that position seems to be so unique, um, goaltender, right, and such a valuable one. So what's the parallel to that? Is it NFL quarterback? I mean, which is, which is more valuable a goal, a, a, a big time goaltender or, or Tom Brady? You know? I, well, I still think the quarterback position, in the NFL is the, the absolute most important position in all of sports. Okay. Uh, don't you think? I mean, yeah, now, well, I do. I mean, but it's, is it's debatable. Yeah, no yeah. Goal, goalie would be next on my list, mm-hmm. but, um, you can, but you can over, win you games can with your, with yeah, your you can overcome goaltender. mediocre quarterback. Uh, yeah. Or mediocre. I'm sorry. Mediocre goaltending. Yeah. If you have a powerful enough offense, if you got a mediocre quarterback, and I know mediocre quarterbacks have won Super Bowl, like Trent Dilfer or whatever. But you look at every year, who's supposed to win the Super? Like, if I were to ask you right now, who are the best teams in the NFL? Well, you know what you're going to name back to me? The best quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. New England, mm-hmm. New Orleans. Yes. Uh, uh, the Rams. Mm-hmm. The, the Chiefs. 
you know, those for are the, sure, yeah. Yeah, those are the teams. Why is everybody excited about what's going on in Cleveland? Because they picked up o- Odell Beckham? No, they're excited because they got Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah. Right. Why do people still think the Steelers have a chance, even though they right. lost Antonio Big Brown? Ben's still there. Brown. They still have Big Ben. Right. Why, why, are, you know, why, are, the, why are people excited again in, in Jacksonville? Well, because they fixed their quarterback situation, we think. So mm-hmm. I still think that's the most important position. Whereas that, as in, in Gold, if you ask me who are the best teams in the NHL, I don't necessarily think it's when I when I think of the the light. Well, what do you like about the Lightning? The first guys I name are, well, they got Kucherov and Stamkos had a big year. And they got Victor Hedman. Oh, they got a really good goalie too. So goalie clearly is important. You can't win. I don't. I don't know that you win a Stanley Cup with a bad goaltender, but teams have won Stanley Cups with just you know better than average goaltending. And like uh, Corey Crawford won a few in in Chicago. I didn't think he was spectacular. A spectacular goalie. So right. Well, we'll um, see what Breezebrod does um, the rest of the year. But I'm, I'm curious, too, about this. Like, okay, so you're, you're John Cooper, and you assemble your, your team for training camp for the first time, and it's, you haven't really spent any meaningful time since the absolute disaster that was the postseason last year. What do you say? Oh you know, what, what, we're at the, you know, at the back of the bottom of the mountain again. You know, you had a – you know, a historic regular season followed by, you know, a historic collapse. What do you, where do you begin to put that back together? Or do you just not talk about it and say, hey, boys, it's a new year. Let's go get them. I mean, what do you do? I, boy, I don't know. That's a, then that's a really great question. Do you bring up the elephant in the room? Like what happened? Yeah. Or, or do you just say, look, or I you never just want to bury get, it in the backyard. You know? Yeah, it's I mean, or do you yeah, never bring it back up again? <laughs> and I don't know what you do because. Rick, I keep saying this over and over again. I don't know how this doesn't stick with you. Like, really, it has stick with to. You, you has could come to. out, Rick. They can come out, and win the first twenty-five games of the season. No they one's going to care. Twenty-five and zero, and no one's going to care. No one's going to believe. They've already done it. it. They've already. They done won't that. trust them. I think they'll care. It'll be entertainment. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. People get excited. I think the fans will be like, "Oh, no, this could be the year." But you, no one can completely trust them again, and maybe even themselves. I mean, that doubt has to be in their own minds, doesn't it? But it has I, to be. If you're yeah. Steven Stamkos, you, you haven't won a Stanley Cup. You've had right. chances. You've been to, and and you're. If you look at the back of your hockey card, <laughs> it says that you haven't. It's you're a big reason why they haven't won a Stanley Cup because you mm-hmm. haven't shown up in big games in the playoffs. Right. And and it's not to say he's a bad player. Clearly, he's not. Mm-hmm. I, maybe if you're John Cooper, Rick, the only thing you can do is say, "Look, that was such a fluke. I mean, we got swept. Maybe it's right. easier to dismiss because you got swept." And and you could easier you could just mm-hmm. say that just shows you what an incredible fluke that was. That'll mm-hmm. ne- that would never happen again in a million years. And but I I don't know. I, if I as a player to get myself motivated to for a season just to get back to the point that I got to last year. Oof, that's a big and problem. and if okay and even if I clear that hurdle, even if I get through the first round, I play Columbus again in the first round, and I win. Now all of a sudden now I'm back to where I was. In 2017 or two, right. whatever we were today. 17, the, 18, yeah. 18, yeah. Or, okay, and if I win that, then right. I get back to the time I was when I played the Blackhawks. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> you still got to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, if you get to the finals, I think you'd feel good, but you, you know, you got to finish it. I think, I, and you've done this, like, how much, because when I would think back at the Bucks Super Bowl year, and, you know, they had been losing to Philly, losing to Philly, and then the right coach came in and, and they played them earlier in the year, and it kind of got some ideas about, how they could beat this team. How much of this is luck? In other words, let's say they didn't draw Columbus. 
right? Like Columbus made a bunch of trades and they were playing really, really well and they're kind of a heavy team and they, you know, I don't know, they slowed them down. I think Torch got into Tortorella was the right coach, you know what I mean? Like, is that really the guy you want to face in the first round who still knows enough about your your personnel maybe and at least Stamp Coast and some others – what you want? He's been around in high. He's won a Stanley Cup, right? So right, he sure. he he's he's had some of these playoff experiences more than more than most coaches that are out there. So maybe could it just have been? You know what? If they'd have played Boston, you know, or well, I said at know, the time, if they had played Carolina, they would have been fine. And Carolina yeah. went to the Eastern Conference. And Final. sometimes, if you win a game or a series, then 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 everything changes, right? It does, but this is the thing, Rick. This is the questions that have kept them up all night, all all summer. You know, is that well? What if we had played this team, or how about yeah. if we if we'd have just scored that fourth goal in game yeah. one, and yeah. we'd have won game one? Or what if, like, what if uh, this guy had played a little? What if Cooch hadn't been suspended? I, what if Hedman wasn't hurt? What if Hedman wasn't hurt? And that's the thing. Like when when something happens that shouldn't happen, you just sit around and because you can't point to one thing. Like you, there are a lot of teams that can point to. Well, like we could look at last year. Why didn't the Bucks win last year? Well, Jameis got suspended. That really hurt. Now he's not suspended, so we can feel better about yeah, it. I don't know what could happen coming out at the start this season that feels like you fixed whatever yeah. it was that happened to you. You know. Well, I think you you know that's up to the GM to figure out what they needed and what they lacked. Obviously, they need they need some more grit in some areas. But I I also think that it gets to be. Remember when you had? I don't know if you did this. Like I had a high school biology class, and they bring out the frog, and you're gonna <laughs> yeah, dissect yeah, yeah. that frog, right? And you start, that frog is whole when you get it, right? And you start every day, you come to the lab, right? And you start dissecting that frog. And pretty soon, there ain't no frog to, t- to pick apart. Like, That's that right. thing has been cut up so much. That's kind of the way it is. I mean, they, they, they you just can't sit there and try to, you know, try to do the autopsy every day. You know what I mean? At, at some point, it's like, all right, well, you know. You this know, that group of guys. Core. I mean, it's the same, it's the same core. core for sure. And, and at some point, you have to wonder if this core can do it because they yeah. haven't done it. And or, we're not talking, or, Rick. This hasn't been a couple of years now. They went to the Stanley Cup final five years ago. Five years. This will be next year. Will be six years removed from a, from when they went to the Stanley Cup final, and they don't have a cup since then. And this team should have won one by now, and they haven't. And I can't tell you why. I don't know if it's because the goaltending wasn't good enough, or because Stamkos didn't show up in big games, or because they. Victor Hedman got hurt. I I don't have, a, or maybe they just weren't good enough. Maybe well, I'll they, tell you. I'll say this: they, they I tell you what they don't think. They don't think it's John Cooper's fault. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> and I'm not saying it is either. But I remember talking to Diana Neros, who covers the Lightning for the for the Tampa Bay Times, and at the end of the season, she was working on a story about, um, you know, what are the Lightning going to do? What should they do before the next season? And we had a discussion about, well, you know, maybe they should tinker with the you know sort of the secondary scoring type guys you know the Alex Kalorns yeah and, and Tyler John and I, and I you know I'm sitting there saying wait we're gonna blame this whole thing on Alex Kalorn <laughs> you know this is Anton Strawman's fault yeah like at some yeah. point you have to look at like do you look superstars man big guys yeah man yeah. I mean at some yeah. point you and at some point you have to look at the coach you I, I think John Cooper's a John Cooper's a terrific coach I'm a big fan I like him personally and professionally I think he's if you if you fired him, somebody would hire him within ten minutes. But when you fail, you fail year in and year out to to reach the, the ultimate goal. 
at some point you have to ask the question. Well, okay, do we do all we teams do? That? And maybe sure. John Cooper goes on and wins the Stanley Cup with another team. But I'll tell you what, Tony Dungy, you know, when he got here, they said just win eight, they'll throw a parade for you. And so he won 10 every year and they fired him. <laughs> you know, and then the next guy came in and won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, this this is the way it goes. And then Tony won his Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, many years later. Right. Um, expectations so, change over time. And, yeah. and the expectations here have been that that you should have won a Stanley Cup. Anything less than a Stanley Cup this season, Rick, is a complete failure again. This team has to win a Stanley Cup to, to have made the last five years worth it. And even then, even then, that – if they win one out of all, probably this, should have won two or three. Probably should have won two or three. I yeah. mean, it still well, feels that that they the same with that mid two thousands team with Marty St. Louis and Vinny Lecavier and all that. That team they live in they live in the you know in the history books and people love them around here. But it's they should have won another one. But the they weren't helped by a lockout. Yeah, there were other things that happened in free agency and whatnot. All right, I'll get you out on this, uh, Tom, because I know that you've had kids that have played baseball and different sports, and you've, you've been a dad and you've been at these games. Have you seen the pushback that the people have had on social media? First of all, social media is the devil. I'm convinced of that. Oh, my gosh. I spent Thank the last God two nights it. watching a Democratic debate and following it on Twitter, <laughs> and I guarantee yeah, I read your comments. It's the Hunger Games, man. It's jeez, <laughs> Holy mackerel. It's something. But LeBron James, okay, arguably one of the top, two greatest players of all time. We've debated this about Jordan and him. We're not going to do that now. But, um, you know, look, he's he's earned a certain amount of uh, gravita and, you know, expertise and whatnot. But he's an entrepreneur. He has a school. He does all these things for the community, whatnot. And now his kids are at the age where they're playing basketball and they're mm -hmm. playing at a high level, AAU level, um, you know, one day it's possible maybe he'll last long enough to, you know, one of his kids will be in the NBA. Who knows? But we've seen him uh, videotaped at, at some of his, his kids' games, and he gets a little amped. In fact, he even got into the layup line the other day and was doing, you know, dunks off the backboard and whatnot. Is LeBron that guy, you know, that dad that uh, throws batting practice and, you know, thinks, thinks that he, you know, is a little too much a part of the team? Or... Um, is this ridiculous that, that people are saying, look at this guy? It's completely ridiculous that people are saying, look at this guy. And I know Jason Whitlock tried to take him out the other day and talked about how he was a, he, he was a fame. He was addicted to fame and it was, you know, he had a, you know, it was, it was like a worse drug to him than cocaine, which was just a completely stupid thing to say. I let me just get this right, Rick. We're complaining that a dad is spending time with his kids. Like that's yeah. what this is about. And yeah. And here's the other thing. Ask the ask LeBron's kids what they think. Ask those other kids on that team what they think. Do they think that LeBron's there hogging their their highlights spotlight. or high, the spotlight? Yeah, yeah, you know, hogging up their spotlight. Or do they think this is fun and I'm going to remember this the rest of my life? I'm going to remember the time when I was 14 years old, and maybe the greatest basketball player, second greatest basketball player of all time, came out and dunked with me and 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 laughed it up and yucked it up with me. Like you're going to remember that. The rest of your life, Rick. You played baseball all your life. You had a dad, mm -hmm. played who for was him, a yeah. legend in St. Petersburg. If people listen to this podcast, they don't know Rick's dad. Rick's dad was a legend, is a legend in in uh, in the city of St. Petersburg with baseball. You used to go tag along with him everywhere he went, right? Yeah, and yep. you Five played on teams and played mm -hmm. for him, played against him. Yeah, I mean, you got to spend that was time you spent with your dad. 
I don't do yeah. you look back at that time and say, oh, my dad's still in the limelight because he's coaching and throwing? Or, or do you think, no, I value those moments that I got to spend with my dad, you know? Yeah, when you're in it, you you don't, you know, that's that's sort of how you feel. In fact, at one point, um, he went and coached the rival high school team because somebody asked him to. They had lost a coach right before the season, and that's that's kind of who my dad was. And I was playing for Dixie Hollins. He went and coached Bogusiega. And I was upset that he didn't get to watch me play every day. You know, that was I wanted him to be out there more. Yeah. You know, we got to play them twice a year, but that kind of upset me. They're like, well, well you know, not that you're helping other kids, but that, you know, I wish you could, you know, not be around. <laughs> you may have my game. And I think that's, you know, I'm sure that's the case with LeBron's kids. Look, they know no other life except that their dad is an international superstar, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of who they've grown up with. Now, some people, maybe his wife or somebody might say, hey, you know, this is their time. You know, this is like, this is their team. Maybe, you know, you have the, Cav- you have the, you've had the Cavaliers and now you have the Lakers. Maybe you should back off just a bit and be a dad. <laughs> Um, but, but I don't know that he's, you know, I mean, when is the camera not going to be on him? This is the other thing. It's not like he's taking selfies doing this, right? right? Other people are there to film LeBron James, um, who is at his son's basketball game, but he's the biggest cheerleader for his kids and not just for his kids, but for those other kids as well. He went up to a guy the other day and said, I hope, I hope I'm still playing when you're in the NBA. Imagine how that kid felt. The kid just about fell over. Can you imagine? Yeah. There's LeBron James thinking I'm going to play in the NBA. Yeah, I, mean, I go back to this, Rick. I can remember. I, you know, I played a lot of baseball like you did growing up. I played yeah. high school. I played summer leagues. I played on all star, you know, sure. all star tournaments where you're just playing, you know, three times a week, four yeah, times a week. Right. And I can remember almost every game where I, where my exactly where my dad was standing during the game. Oh, you know, exactly. where he used to stand. I, and my kids know when I went to their games, they knew where well, I Well, they knew, but the, be honest now, because they knew because you were that guy that needed to leave. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Wait, come on now. No, you sometimes. got on the ump. You got on I, the ump. You know, I used to go bit, to, Tommy. <laughs> okay. Tell yeah, the sometimes. truth. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I didn't get nasty. I didn't get like, I you didn't use funny. any swear words, but I, would, <laughs> I might say like, every now and then you might hear me say, where was that? <laughs> If that's not a strike, we're going to be here all night. Well, t- that happened one time. I was went to a. It was it was the funniest thing. So my son was playing. Uh, he was playing varsity ball, but he was still like a freshman. But he was on the yeah. varsity team at Northside, and they called him up one day on a Saturday and said, "Hey, we need a couple guys to play in this like uh, JV or ninth grade game or whatever." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He said, "Could he come out?" And he looked at me and said, "I really don't want to." I said, "You get it's like be, thinking of his BP. You go out there and get some yeah, good know, chance get some, to play. Get yeah, some swings." He's like, "All right." So he goes out there, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be nice, relaxed. I'm just going to stand here, and I don't have to worry about getting all <laughs> – No pressure. Know, we're, not, we're not playing St. Pete Catholic, some rival, like St. Pete Catholic. We're not playing CCC or somebody right? Calvary. I hate those kids from Calvary. And so watch, So I'm nice and relaxed, and uh, I said, I'm not going to say anything. And the first pitch of the game <laughs> – <laughs> and a, you you know, waited I mean, that long? There were these like ninth graders, and these kids, like some of these ninth graders, weren't that good. They were like their, they were like their first time ever playing baseball. And uh, I said, "Well, if that's not a strike, we're going to be here all day." <laughs> and the umpire <laughs> took his mask off and looked at me. He's like, "Seriously? <laughs> it's ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, and it's four hundred degrees out." <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just, and uh, now. To the umpire was probably about 19 years old, too, by the way. No, that's why well, he was actually some old guy. And I'm like, why oh, okay. are you going ninth grade games? That just goes to show you're no good. <laughs> but he, uh, <laughs> that's right. What are you he, doing here? He, come on, but he blue. came over about the third. I feel rede- I feel a little bit of redemption, but the third inning he came over. He says, you're right. Like, I got to start calling more strikes. I'm like, thank you. That's awesome. But you know what? I had to be careful because this used to throw me off. Um, 
So my son would play at Northside. I used to stand. I usually would stand be you know sort of between the dugout and home plate. You're behind Sometimes the dugout. You were behind the dugout home plate guy. You were. You're yeah, right yes. there in the Usually, batter's although, circle. Sometimes you're I would in the batter's Don, circle, basically. Don, the left field line guy sometimes, too. You know, oh, okay. Sideways. But what what ended up happening was the umpires before the game, they would look over and they'd like, hey, Tom Jones, you work for the Times, right? And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, there goes that. <laughs> I can't say <laughs> can't anything say a now. Word now. Yeah. So, but I, but my, look, my point is, you know, for LeBron, I think, um, you know, his kids will remember, like, he, he's at their games. He's involved. He's a part oh, of their he's lives. Involved. I, and he's a big cheerleader, too. I mean, he's he's flexing over there when his kid goes down the lane and throws a windmill dunk on somebody. Yeah. So, you know, he's a proud dad. Look, we've all – this is – this is. I don't think it matters, okay, whether you're LeBron James or Tom Jones or Rick Stroud or anybody else that's listening. If your kid is playing a sport um, or anything, piano cons- concert, it doesn't really matter. You know, dance recital – there is nothing more fun and more rewarding than watching your child succeed and do something and attempt something and enjoy it. There's nothing. I'm, I'm, to, to my dying day, there's no game that I ever yeah. played. There's no, yeah. there's no championship I ever was a part of that was as rewarding as watching my son's teams, um, some of which I helped coach, but others, you know, and even in football when he would, you know, he played at East Lake and he didn't play much, but when he did play, they were a great program, and I was so proud. There was nothing as enjoyable as that, and, and that's that's what you see on LeBron's face. And I'm and I'm telling you, like if you're if you're a, if you're a mom or your dad and you're listening to this podcast, I'm t- like your kids know when you're there, and they know yes, when they you're do. not there. They, 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 they really know when you're not there. Yeah, know? exactly. So, especially, mm-hmm. and I know sometimes it's hard, and people work, and we all have busy jobs. And Rick, that's something that you and I dealt with over our careers. Like that, we missed a lot of stuff we because did. we were covering. You know, I, I miss concerts. I missed uh, mm-hmm. I missed games because I was in Montreal covering the Lightning, or I was in you know uh, Vancouver. Yeah, you you you've done a lot of traveling uh, throughout your career, and you've missed some of your son's stuff. And it's it's you know and the first thing you did, they do is when the game's over. I can remember being in press boxes. I'm sure you are. So how'd you play? What happened? Who you know? How'd right. you do? You know? Right. So, I, yeah, the, the fact that we're jumping on LeBron because he's at his kids' games and he's having fun. I, Boy, if that's I, the worst thing he does. Now we've officially run out of things to bitch about. Yeah, if that's the worst he does, given all the things that, that people in general and athletes in particular sometimes get involved with, I think uh, being too involved with his sons is probably probably something he should plead guilty to, and, uh, and, and you know, that, that'll that be that. So, Tom, you, you have named, uh, thankfully, uh, this, uh, I, I imagine you had a contest for this because I can only guess that there was uh, a, a lot of options here. Um, for your newsletter, which uh, you do on pointer.org. And, and you can uh, sign up you, for it. If you go to pointer.org, you can get sign up for it to subscribe. It's really come, into your, come right into your, uh, your email or email address and stuff like that. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, so you get it in your inbox every week. So read really is. I do read it. I do read it when, you, uh, when it comes on my phone. Um, but uh, the Pointer Report is what it's called. It was a called. contest of one. And it was Neil Brown, who's the president of Pointer, won the contest. That's what I figured. That's right. The Pointer Report. So you've been – this is the political season. Uh, obviously, it never ends. But uh, the, 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 there is about 400 Democratic national – or you know, Democratic yeah. presidential candidates um, that have been on the stage for two nights, I guess. And I'm watching um, and reading about your sort of coverage of CNN's coverage. These things um, – you know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's anything quite like it. It's a little bit like a press conference that you have multiple people up there, and then you just kind of 
like interrupt them a lot. Yeah, I, I, it's just very it's unnerving to watch because I you know they start to talk to each other, which you kind of like because that's that's what debate is. They're called the debates. Right. Um, but then all of a sudden there's this. Okay, that's enough. We're going to this. Thank person. you, Senator. Like, thank, thank you, yeah. Senator. Thank, thank, thank you, Senator. Thank, I'm not done talking. I've got my five <laughs> seconds of fame here, and they're on for three hours or whatever it is. It's not like who's in a hurry. Maybe if you didn't have 20 people up there. Well, that's First of it. all, that, how long people. do we have to have 40 people, you know, or 20 people, 10, 10 of a night? I mean, is this, are they going to trim this down? They need to trim, trim it down. And, and, and after this round, like, like look, there's, we could, clearly you could weed some people out already. That, sure. And those are the people that were standing on the end of the stages who yeah. weren't getting much, much attention. Many questions, anyway. yeah. But, boy, CNN, I, I ripped them there getting a little bit of heat, particularly Jake Tapper. I mean, this was nothing more than – it felt like they, they put them all in a circle and then just you know threw, threw like three or four knives in the middle and said, all right, go at it for, for three <laughs> hours. You know? and, I mean, there literally were questions from Jake Tapper at one point saying – you know, to Joe Biden, like uh, Kamala Harris said this, tell her why she's wrong. Are you going to take that from her? Are you going to get that? Did about. you hear what he just said about Ooh. you? <laughs> I was waiting for Jake to for one question to be, oh. <laughs> and it was. Your response? <laughs> that, that's what, yeah, your response? <laughs> Let's go back to you. He just called your name. What do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, it's, and I thought that NBC had a little bit of a better feel for what, yeah. you know, not cutting people off as much. Um, yeah, just too many people. And it really, it got to be, it, it was, exa- I'm exhausted after watching two nights of it. They got to come up with a better format. Um, yeah. but, it was, but you're right. As long as they have 20 people, this mm-hmm. is going to continue, uh, continue. To and the rate, the ratings aren't good, right? Not many no, not can... for these ones. Like the first ones back the, in the debates in Miami that were shown on NBC and MSNBC and Telemundo, those did pretty well. Those did, I think they got 15 million the first night, 18 million the second night, which are okay numbers. Pretty good, actually. They're uh, pretty high for just uh, non-presidential debates. Um, yeah. And and even not bad for pres- some presidential debates. But uh, but these last two nights with CNN, the numbers are more. I, I know the first night was around 8 million, which yeah. is, you know, that's like half of what. what Without the head, I mean, n- nothing against uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is no, doing Elizabeth very, very Warren well, and Bernie, and, and, Bernie and Sanders. Bernie Sanders yeah. But I think when you have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and... Cory you know, Booker, yeah. Cory Booker, that's that's probably that's probably a bigger headliner, right? That, yeah, mm-hmm. and they, so I would expect last night we haven't gotten them yet, but I'm expect as we tape this we haven't gotten them yet. So, but yeah. I'm expecting that Thursday, that Wednesday night's numbers are probably slightly higher, but still but down not much, and yeah. not near anywhere near. And that's the other thing to think about, Rick. Like you you watch these debates and you and you think you know after the first one it was like oh Kamala Harris is going to win this thing. She was great. Sure. And then after last night. It was eh, she was a little wobbly on a couple of things, and then you look up and say, "Only eight million people were watching this." <laughs> you know, yeah. like not many, very many people are actually paying attention to this, and I don't think many people will until we get to basically like a year from now. Right, well, we've still got a ways to go. You can watch, you can read uh, Tom's newsletter and sign up for that. It's uh, on Pointer.org. It's the Pointer Report. Really good reading, and uh, love having my former radio partner, of course, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. Always fun to talk sports. With Tom Jones. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, brother. All right, the Bucks continue practice this weekend. They finally get another day off on Sunday. And, of course, we've got the Hall of Fame inductions this weekend for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Always good to see those speeches and a little bit of pro football as well. The Rays are off. It's a rare day off on Friday for them today. Uh, but they'll be back at it on the weekend with a two-game series against the Miami Marlins. So thanks for listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys each and every day tuning in. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.